Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. And Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Morata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Morata. Spectacular. Bickley and Morata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Morata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Thursday, Valley sports fans. How are you all doing? We are getting to the end of another week. I am Dan Bickley. To my left is Vince Morata. There is Jared Carlin. And there is Sarah the Ruthless. Ruthless. <laughs> uh, I've learned in the last 24 hours that I have another arena name I have to kind of get straight in my head. Mm. Mullet Arena? No. No? Desert Diamond Arena. Yeah. You've not heard this, have you? No. Uh, This is news to you. Desert Diamond Arena is now where the Coyotes used to play in Glendale. Oh, wow. And and I'm at the point now where I can't keep any of these names straight anymore. (laughs) Where do the Suns play? Quick. That one I know. That's Footprint. Where does ASU basketball play? I, that I can't tell you. It used to be Wells Desert Fargo Fin- Arena. Desert Financial. Desert Financial, yeah. Right? They sound the same. They, a lot of them do. Where do the Cardinals play? The Big Toaster State on the West Farm Side? Stadium. <laughs> the Big Toaster. The Spaceship. Yeah, but it, there's a lot it's of, really a hard lot to of keep concert track of. venues. Yes. Whatever happened to the Dodge Theater? What is that called these days? I don't know. What Desert oh, Sky Pavilion. That? that used to be a great I name for a concert that, venue. I think that's Auction now. Okay. So the, yeah, the, the Desert... They're the Dodge, the Dodge is is Arizona Financial Theater, isn't it? Yeah. And it used okay. To be Somebody was America? just talking about that. I had never heard that, and I had no idea what it was. I had to look it up, Google it to see what it used to be. It used to be the Dodge Theater, and then it was Comerica. America. America, yeah. And now it's Arizona Financial Theater. Wow, very inspiring names. Okay. I don't know what you think about Dodge Theater. I think that theater's got a weird vibe in it. I like it. Do you? I've seen, I never a, lot of, I've seen a lot of good shows there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen a lot of good shows very up close that I've enjoyed, but I've just always thought the vibe in there is just a little bit... Really? Strange. Well, the, so- the size is well, it's haunted. weird. It's very immature. It's haunted, right, what's, yeah. What's the th- one that, that is in the round? Celebrity Theater. Celebrity right. Theater. That's an odd theater, too. Yeah. That's where I saw Norm MacDonald mail it in one night. Oh. That's where I saw Pat Oswalt and Nick Offerman. That's where I saw together. Mitch Hedberg nearly die on stage. Oh, really? oh that's oh. right. Yeah. You did. Yeah. You did. I also saw Muse there in one of the best concerts yeah, I've ever been, seen. See, yeah, seeing yeah. a band, uh, like a, a, a contemporary band in a place like mm-hmm. that, that'd be cool. I did not know about Desert yeah. Diamond. Desert Diamond is yeah. now a, a thing. That was, what, two nights ago that that Desert, came yeah. out? Oh, wow. right. I just I heard mean, about it last in night. In sports, we don't need to know that because right. it's there, no longer right. Unless we're going to start covering rodeo. Well, I okay. think they might have like high school basketball tournament stuff out there, things like that. But yeah, it's going to be basically concerts and shows, right? And rodeo. Yeah. They're bringing well, the rodeo in there. Mason Saunders, Mason yeah, Rudolph, saying, whatever his name is. If, if Madison Bumgarner <laughs> yeah, doesn't. Yeah, him. If he doesn't start pitching better, he might have <laughs> yeah. to supplement his income with that rodeo yeah. again. Uh huh. 
You know, they do host a dinosaur boxing event at oh, that's uh, right. Desert Diamond. Dinosaur, dinosaur box. Really? Is Man, it those hope animatronic dinosaurs? Sarah, I hope it's not no, two T-Rexes dinosaur. going at it. Those, those dinosaurs have no reach. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Sarah was an MC at that event. <laughs> Did I tell you about what Mark Cuban is doing? Did I? Now that you bring up dinosaurs, Dad, I'll say this real quick. Have you heard what Mark, Mark Cuban, Cuban is doing? No. I mean, okay, so Mark Cuban on the show, The Shark Tank, had a guy who created all these animatronic dinosaurs that are life-size and really super cool. So he partnered up with the guy. Mark Cuban bought a town in South Texas. Oh, I did see this. An entire town. And he's going to rename it Dinosaur Texas. And there's going to be this gigantic amusement park Whoa. that people what? are going to What could go to. wrong? Well, but they're not real dinosaurs. So it's Which it's makes not it like even j- creepier. Well, what I'm saying is that is a genius idea. Families full of young kids will flock to that place. And Dan Bickley. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. You're the only male I've ever met who hasn't vibed on dinosaurs, Vinny. I, I loved him when I was oh, a kid. Oh, did you? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's the same thing as wrestling. Yeah, I like dinosaurs and wrestling, kid. and then yeah. I kissed a girl. And it was then all you kissed a girl, it was all yeah. over with. Jared, what's your excuse? Oh, wait. <laughs> I still like both of them, and I might have to go to this event that Sarah hosts where the dinosaurs wrestle. It's a tremendous... <laughs> boxing. That's the both of them. Not wrestling. Uh, I'm out then. Yeah, boxing it's dinosaurs. it's a athletic event, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> the outcomes are not predetermined. Right. For these How do dinosaurs, dinosaurs box when they have little tiny short arms? There's a lot of tail swinging. All. Oh, yeah. A lot of in-close. Right. I let in close stuff, yeah. Right? No roundhouses being thrown. All right, start the show, Ferret. <laughs> the Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, the Cardinals and the Titans had their joint practice Wednesday at St. Thomas Sports Park in Nashville, and by all accounts, useful for both teams. Highlight for the Cardinals. Beautiful one-handed catch made by DeAndre Hopkins against Tennessee corner Christian Fulton for a touchdown in receiver versus corner drills. Cardinals cornerback Antonio Hamilton was not on the field, and when asked about his absence and what the issue is, head coach Cliff Kingsbury said, quote, we'll let you know week one when we have to. That doesn't sound great, considering that uh, Hamilton had been elevated to the no. number two corner spot. Cardinals remain in Nashville until Saturday's preseason game between the teams at Nissan Stadium that uh, kicks off at 4 o'clock Arizona time. So we'll have a lot of uh, Cardinals talk on today's show. Seahawks uh, coach Pete Carroll told our sister station, Seattle Sports 710, that Geno Smith will start the Seahawks' final preseason game against the Cowboys on Friday night, but Drew Locke would also play a lot. Earlier this week, Carroll said they'll take as much time uh, as they need to determine who the starting quarterback will be. They do open their season Monday night football against the Broncos and their former quarterback, Russell oh, Wilson, on okay. September 12th. Okay. Uh, Dallas Cowboys left tackle Tyron Smith suffered a torn hamstring in practice yesterday, an injury that could cost him multiple months of the season, so a bummer there for their best offensive lineman. And uh, two preseason games on the schedule for tonight. Packers and Chiefs at 5 o'clock on NFL Network, and we get our first Amazon offering of the uh, year. The 49ers and Texans. Are you going to venture to Amazon to watch the Texans play preseason football? Uh, you know, I, but I am going to venture to Amazon to watch the 49ers play football. All right. I, yes, I'm going to watch the 49ers tonight. Yes. All right, cool. I, I, I put that on my list of things to do. Zach, Scouting the opponent, Vinny, I'm dedicated. <laughs> I want to I see your complete notes in the morning on my desk by 6 a.m. I don't take notes. 
<laughs> I observed. <laughs> and absorb. Exactly. Zach Gallen was awesome again. The D-backs bullpen wasn't awesome again in a 5-3 loss to the Royals on Wednesday. Gallen pitched six scoreless innings, allowing just three hits, extended his scoreless inning streak to 27 and a third. He exited after six innings with a 1-0 lead. Royals immediately got five runs in the seventh off Noe Ramirez and Joe Mantiply. Big shot, a three-run homer by Bobby Witt Jr. D-backs would score uh, two in the ninth, including Christian Walker's monster 456-foot home run for his 30th of the year. Not enough. Another off day for the D-backs today. They'll start a weekend series against the White Sox tomorrow night. Tommy Henry against Johnny Cueto in the opener of that one. Uh, The 2023 schedule for the Diamondbacks was released yesterday, and it's a new schedule. Balanced, as they call it in Major League Baseball. They'll open up March 30th on the road. Four games against the Dodgers and then two in San Diego. The home opener is against the Dodgers April 6th at Chase Field. With the new schedule, they will play all 29 other teams over the course of the season, meaning they'll only play each of their National League West foes 12 or 13 times as opposed to 19. And eight American League teams are making their way to Chase Field. Kansas City, Boston, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Texas, Baltimore, and Houston. So you get to... uh, It's a variety pack in Major League Baseball now. Uh, Tori Lovello also announced that the D-backs are skipping Madison Bumgarner's spot in the rotation this week. With another day off today, that move becomes possible. Bumgarner has been the weak link of the starting rotation. 0-4 with a 7.53 ERA in his last five starts. He'll apparently work with pitching coach Brent Strom on tweaking some things and should return to the rotation in the home series against the uh, Phillies. Trade going down in the NBA. The Jazz trading guard-slash-irritant Patrick Beverly to the Lakers in exchange for Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson. So we have two things going on here. The alignment of maybe the most hated player in Phoenix. Yeah. Now playing for the most hated team in Phoenix. Yes. This is not the news. This is not news that I I, w- I did not receive this news well is what I'm trying to say. Even though Pat Beverly was already back in the Western Conference, the fact that he's on that team, it, yeah. It, it kind of, uh, they've kind of just reappeared on my radar screen. My, my hate radar screen. My hater screen. <laughs> is basically hey, what it's Hadar. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Right. Um, by the way, uh, Beverly has gone from the Clippers to the Grizzlies to the Timberwolves to the Jazz to the Lakers in about the last 13 months. Former Coyote Phil Kessel signing a one-year deal with the Vegas Golden Knights worth a million and a half dollars. And the PGA Tour Championship gets underway today at Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta. It's uh, just about under. It should be underway, but it's no scores posted. Top 29 golfers competing. $18 million in prize money for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, this is. What do you be, think of that format, though? It's different. It's it's a good way of rewarding the guys who have been the best players. So Scotty Scheffler is going to yeah. start at ten under par, and Patrick Cantlay will be eight under par. It's interesting. Uh, the bigger golf story is the fact that they have found a way to create a venue for Tiger Woods to be relevant on in golf again, and thereby actually 
maybe suffocate live golf in the process. Maybe and yeah. increase uh, prize money. Yeah. And maybe uh, elevate the, the profile of some of the tournaments it's, on tour. It's interesting that this is going into this weekend, this last event where winner takes all 18 million bucks for the winner. And, and so the PGA Tour season is going to end in addition to this Tiger Rory news that we're going to get into a little bit later. Yes, we will. Yeah. There you go. There's your splash for Thursday, August 25th. Coming up next, Cardinals in Nashville. By all accounts, things went well in the joint practice against the Titans. We'll get into some of the notes on it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Definitely. I thought um, lots of good energy. You felt the competitive fire from our guys. I thought they really turned up in the competition. And to go against another um, team and different people in one-on-ones was really good for them. And uh, we'll watch the film. A lot to clean up, but I, I really like the energy and I like the way that they competed. Did Cliff Kingsbury get what he wanted out of the joint practice? He says definitely. It went down yesterday at... Uh the Nashville, uh, the Nashville site, the practice site for the uh, Tennessee Titans, and uh, it, it seemed like everybody on the Cardinals side of, of things got what they wanted out of it. Uh, we, we had some some questions on how that practice would go because mm-hmm. of what uh, Cliff Kingsbury did earlier in the week, and that was call up Mike Vrabel and say, look, two practices is too much. We're banged up. You're banged up. Let's go to one. Right. Um, so we kind of, you know, in t- tongue-in-cheek, we're like, what, what are you even going for? But it sounds like it was beneficial. Yeah, it, it does, and it sounds like the people who covered the media who were there and, and covered this live did note that the energy was good and crisp, and Kyler Murray seemed to be making a lot of passes and, and making a lot of plays, and you mentioned the DeAndre Hopkins one-handed catch that was one of the great highlights that people probably saw on social media. So, yeah, so you know what? To me, it it, it does sound like the Cardinals got something out of that, and I think there's a larger story here. I think that, um, I think Cliff Kingsbury clearly is a little uncomfortable with with all of this. I think Cliff is more of a button-down, let's prepare ourselves without anybody watching, and then roll it out. Mm -hmm. And But but I think there's there's some sort of NFL adjustment Agenda or movement to really encourage this because I think the NFL is really looking to to adjust how many preseason games they play. And I think they're looking to see if league-wide they can supplement it with more content, with having joint practices, and then using that footage and and, and creating television content out of it. Okay, so because Michael Bidwill was in Nashville as well, which is interesting. I mean, why would an owner go with a team on a, a for training camp? Who else is going to fly the plane? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah, there is that. So, um, so to me, I th- I think the NFL. NFL is really looking at this. I don't know how many teams are doing joint practices. It seems, it seems like, like a, a lot, lot more this it, year. It, seem, it seems like the uh, at an ownership level, the NFL has said, let's try this. Let's let's pair off teams with partners. Let's try this. And and I think what we're going to have here is, is sort of maybe a league initiative to make this very commonplace going forward. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, if that happens, first of all, it's kind of a bummer for the Cardinals because nobody's going to pack their bags and come practice outdoors in, in That's Arizona. That's a good point. And they don't have the indoor space at State Farm Stadium really to accommodate two teams. 
but 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 at the same time, it's probably very good for the Cardinals because you know I, I was talking about this Hard Knocks episode three where the Lions go off to the Colts complex and the Colts have this unbelievable complex. It's almost like they kind of call it a field of dreams. It's very pastoral. There's beautiful trees everywhere. The the Bunch walk of dead way. guys in the corn. Well, the, right, well, kind of like that. There's there's walkways that are painted blue. It's just it's like wow. If you were a football player, you'd, you'd go this is this is incredible this is a great place to prepare mm-hmm. and cardinals don't have that they do for their for themselves. Um, oh, they're, it's indoors. It's well, they have an outdoor field too. But um, you can't practice outdoors. You, you're just talking about the training camp site. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm talking about the. I was talking about the facility in Tempe. Yeah. No. I'm talking about the the ability to have a training camp site where the players are actually sleeping there and practicing gotcha. there, and there's dorms there, all that kind of stuff. I wonder if that's the next wave. We talked about that earlier in camp because you know there still are some some teams that go off to colleges. Yeah, you know, the Steelers still go off to a college to have their training camp. Uh, it's it's lost that feel because a lot of teams like the Cardinals are doing it at their stadium mm-hmm. and they're staying in hotels. And uh-huh. We found out this this camp that that's optional. I with all the money in the NFL, I wonder if that's the next thing to build some sort of permanent training camp site, maybe close to your stadium, but to, to have the ability to, to yeah. house everything, I, I don't know if that's... I, a, I was a, fine. A, yeah, I was fine when the Cardinals moved down from Flagstaff. I'd really like for them to go back. I'd really like for them to kind of return to that kind of setting. Um, because this this way they're doing it now, I, I don't know. I, I There has to be some value to having a team up and away in seclusion together. You know, roasting marshmallows at night. You know, having burping. <laughs> Telling ghost having stories. Having belching contests. Pulling out the slam book. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Putting a dead skunk in a bag and throwing it in someone's bed. Do you remember some of the great pranks back in the oh, day? Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Getting a big pillowcase full of pennies and whipping somebody. Oh, wait, sure. no, they're not sure. supposed to do that. Hold so, on. You fill it's it not with soap do that. so it doesn't right. leave a mark. <laughs> Is that what you do? Is that what happened full, to you, Jarrett? Full metal jacket. Yeah, right, right. So I, I don't know. I just, it, it's, I was watching this and I'm seeing these. The, there's a lot of places, a lot of football teams that get to have this really, really kind of, I don't know spiritual experience, if you will. I know it's training camp. They don't look at it that way, but it it just it feels different than what yeah, the Cardinals are doing. I'll tell you that. Training you know, camp always had that retreat feel to yeah. it. Like, but you know this isn't going to happen in the Cliff Kingsbury regime. He's not going to want to go do that. He, does, he probably wouldn't have training camp at all. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's kind of true. Yeah, one of the highlights, you probably saw it. If you didn't, you, you'll probably see it today. DeAndre Hopkins' uh, one-handed catch for a touchdown in one-on-one drills against Christian Fulton. It was a beautiful catch. Cliff Kingsbury commented on that. Yeah, it was, it was fun to see him get out there. Anytime you, you feel that competitive spirit kind of lift up, here comes Hop. I mean, he loves to compete. Um, so it was, it was fun to watch him do that. And uh, I'm sure he's got some good, good content for his IG now. So. <laughs> it definitely does. It was a pretty remarkable catch. Kingsbury also talked about the uh, most valuable parts of the joint practice. I think anytime you're doing 11 on 11, it's probably um, the best work you can get. But the one on one is good to go against somebody else and, and work your technique against uh, a different technique than you've seen all, all training camp. But I, I like the one day. Um, it's kind of like my Vegas philosophy. Give me 24 hours and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> That's a smart philosophy to have for Vegas, too. Yeah. 
24, 36 hours tops. Well, yes, yes. I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> uh, so the uh, Cardinals, what are they doing today? Kind of just their own thing? Working on their, their mental mentals. games today? I think, I think they're taking care of their chicken and their mentals, to quote Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> I think that's what they're doing today. They're chi- it's a chicken and mentals day. Oh, delicious. Nashville chicken and mentals day. Oh, hot Nashville. Even better, hot yeah. Nashville chicken. I don't know what they're doing today. I it, To me, it's that's kind of fascinating because if this was really so beneficial, yeah, yeah, you got guys who are hurt. Yeah, J.J. Watt's not there. Couldn't you? Couldn't the guys who aren't hurt benefit more from this? I, I don't know. I don't know why he pulled the plug on this, but I would love to. Know, I would love to know the real reason behind the why. Is it just because Cliff Kingsbury is naturally secretive that that he wants? Because again, this is how he's normally prepared a football team in mm-hmm. college. You don't, you know, you don't go practice with Texas A and M if you're. Remember the red faders? <laughs> the, uh, another joint practice this morning it was supposed to be a, a session. Got canceled today. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins apparently have a stomach bug going on their team. Ooh. Members of their team were up vomiting all night from, from what I heard. More vomit talk here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. <laughs> so please, can't get uh, enough of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, still more fallout from the Kevin Durant decision, the situation. The speculation continues. He's in Brooklyn for now. We'll get into all of it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Thursday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jared Carlin, with you until 10 o'clock. We are scheduled to be joined at 745 today by the one, the only, Charles Barkley. Very nice. Be good Chuckles. to get his, his thoughts on the whole Kevin Durant situation, huh? Okay. That'll be good. Fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, speaking of the Kevin Durant situation, still a lot of people buzzing about it, and it seems like the theme in several NBA cities, Bic, is, hey, maybe there needs to be some smoothing over with uh, egos and relationships with teams that were in pursuit of Kevin Durant. That definitely applies here in Phoenix. We talked about that a bit yesterday. Uh, Shams Charania, who broke the news that... Uh, Brooklyn and Kevin Durant had worked things out originally. He was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. And he said, uh, quote, I do believe that feelings were aired out in that meeting yesterday. I don't know exactly how long the meeting went, but anytime you have a meeting with all those stakeholders, and this is the first time they've met since the net season ended on April 23rd, this meeting probably should have happened months ago. This should have happened right after the season when you know Kevin Durant was displeased with how the year went. There were a lot of issues, underlying concerns that happened after they finished the year. This meeting should have happened then. It takes two and a half months to happen but I guess it's better uh, late than never. Which is not wrong to have that thought. It's like right. if everybody's so upset about how the season went, why do you wait until a month before training camp is supposed to start to really come to a head and get together and, and tackle this thing? But it also makes Kevin Durant's scorched earth strategy make less and less sense. You haven't even talked about what your grievances are, and you're asking for people to be fired. Well, right, and 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 that is why I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that this whole thing is kind of petered out the way that it has. Uh, look, if if you were if say you were in charge of the Brooklyn Nets, and at the end of the playoff series in which you lose unceremoniously, 
yeah, there's a lot of uh, bruised feelings, but as the owner, you're probably thinking, okay, I got four more years of Kevin Durant. We'll come back and do this again. And, and afterwards, in his press conferences, Kevin Durant didn't show any deep unhappiness. Certainly didn't show any towards Steve Nash. No, he So act- the idea of, of having to convert, uh, having to converge and have a big meeting, it probably never occurred to them because he was okay with everything. So that's it, un, until he wasn't until June thirtieth or June whatever it was. Yeah, June thirtieth. Yeah. So and then suddenly, boom! I want out. Oh, okay. That's probably when the meeting should have been held. But at that point in time, the Nets are probably like, "What?" And, and then to then to to take it to the level that he did to ask for two different jobs. Uh, to me, this is why this whole. It, uh, this whole truce has got to be very tenuous. It has to yeah. be. And just for, to refresh memories, this was from April 25th after the Nets were eliminated. Kevin Durant talking about Steve Nash and whether or not he's the right coach for this team. Come on, man. Like, yeah, like Steve's been dealt a crazy hand the last two years. Like, he's been had to deal with so much stuff as a head coach, first-time coach, and trades, injuries. You know, COVID, just a lot of stuff he had to deal with. And uh, I'm proud of how he just focused on his passion for us. And, uh, you know, we all, you know, continue to keep developing over the summer and see what happens. So, but to your point, Bick, mm-hmm. again, that is what was public publicly out there. That's the Nets' thought going into the off season. Okay, right. he's in support of the coach. Why do you need to have a meeting again? I'm, I get more and more puzzled with Kevin Durant every single day, and there's a, a growing relief that hey, the Suns went down that road. They saw, you know, they they, they explored whether or not it was possible. It's not possible. Well, uh, so I'm I'm glad that that's the result right now. But I'm also not convinced that this is a, a, a... I think there's still some smoldering going on on that fire that's been extinguished. And this could light back up again in January. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's an accurate read. I, I do think that it, whatever they decided to agree upon has to be related to the, the lack of, of, of offers that the Nets found palatable. That has to be what it is. And, and so they basically probably called Kevin Durant in and said, Listen, we're not calling your bluff. We're not we're not doubting your sincerity here. We just are not trading you to, for any of these offers that are in front of us. And and Kevin, y- y- you are aware of how good you are as a basketball player. Look at this dreck they're offering for you. We can't do this. Okay. And then at that point in time, maybe they said, okay, listen, all right, we'll cool this thing down. We'll act like everything is is fine and, and then we'll, we'll we'll keep we'll keep this thing burning and you tell us near the trade and, and I, I'm sure that's all it is I, I am absolutely positive this is not a reconciliation they are not renewing vows that's not what's happening here so again and so I think that if the Phoenix if the Phoenix Suns really want Kevin Durant badly this news helps them because it means that the Celtics are not seizing the moment to get them, the Sixers aren't seizing the moment, the Heat aren't seizing the moment, because they don't have the stuff to give, or they don't want to give the stuff the Nets are asking for. Mm-hmm. So they're going to wait until somebody does, until somebody says, okay, the longer they wait, I, I don't know how much better some of these offers are going to get, but he is Kevin Durant. And, and when you think about it, it is kind of stupid. If Rudy Gobert is getting four first-round draft picks, I, I, come I, on. I feel like the way it played out out is that on June 30th, you know, the season ended, you played that clip, they were like, okay, yeah, we don't, we'll move on, everything will be fine, this was a crazy year. On June 30th, 
I think the Nets were shocked by by this. But then they started thinking, well, you know, if we could get Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, let's do it. Like I think they thought they were going to get the greatest trade return in NBA history. And you heard some of the like proposed mm-hmm. asks that they made for mm-hmm. different teams. They asked for like LeBron and Anthony Davis or whatever it was. Yeah. I think they thought like, okay, we didn't want to trade Durant, but we could get like the greatest haul ever. And then when they were gonna get nothing close to that, they sort of tried to like all right, how do we delay this? Yeah, because... How do we keep this in-house until, like, maybe we can get more? Well, because as Vinny pointed out, they've got a quality roster, so they, they, don't, they don't want to punt on this upcoming season. And so, so I, I think that's what this is all about. And, and I do think, I do think there was a late flurry of teams trying to say, okay, hold on, how about this? You sure you don't want this? Suns may have been one of them. They may not have been one of them. But I do think that if, if they're tabling this for a while, they're doing that for a reason because they think that as the season progresses, though, there will be more interest. There will be more pieces available. Who knows? I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch only because we don't know truly how, how bad the Phoenix Suns and their core of players want Kevin Durant. Sure. And, and, if, it's, and if, it's, if it's one of those things where we're going to get this thing done, if Chris Paul and Devin Booker have kind of committed in their heads to next time we play playoff basketball, that cat's going to be our wingman, then the next couple months are going to be really wonky. Plus, on the flip side of it, uh, season starts, Kevin Durant's in Brooklyn. You know, a, a franchise that has been absolutely defined by dysfunction and drama for two years. Mm-hmm. The first time something happens, I'm not saying if it happens, when it happens, when there's the first sign of dysfunction or Ben Simmons can't play because his back hurts or Kyrie Irving doesn't show up because of whatever reason, this is going to get fired up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless unless they come out of the gates and they're just really really good, uh, unless, which is possible. Unless the addition of Ben Simmons gives them something, and and unless it works, right? <laughs> unless it actually works, I wouldn't bank on it because it's Kyrie and it's Ben Simmons, and, and these guys are not the most reliable of people. I or wouldn't athletes. bank. I wouldn't bank on it if it works. Kevin Durant is happy. Well, he well, won a championship in Golden State and decided and to wasn't leave. really happy. Yeah. Yeah, he got and to the, I, you know the finals in Oklahoma City, and he wasn't happy. And I think this is kind of why there teams weren't bending over backwards. Because if you're the Boston Celtics and you've got Jason Tatum and you've got all those other good bit players, the idea of giving up a Jalen Brown and a Marcus Smart, you would think that in a, in it, without some of the weirdness that Kevin Durant brings, you're doing that deal. But something uh, the Celtics aren't doing it, and I think a lot of it has to do with Kevin Durant's age. He's going to be thirty-four. Probably got two years of prime left, mm-hmm. maybe. And, and, and then just the just the negativity. It just there's everywhere he goes. There's that drama. Well, and apparently that that offer from Boston wasn't enough to appease Brooklyn either. Because Boston would not put Marcus Smart in the offer. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's time for Character Counts, brought to you by Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Chase Field will host the 20th Annual Perfect Game All-American Classic on Sunday at 5 p.m. The game will feature more than 50 of the top-ranked high school baseball players in the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico. Perfect Game's nonprofit foundation will feature events around the game on Friday and Saturday, hoping to raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Perfect Game Cares Foundation's Grow 
the Game Fund, whose goal is to grant wishes for children bravely battling illness and raise funds to grow the games of baseball and softball in the underserved and at-risk communities across America. Fans can donate to the funds by visiting the Perfect Game All-American Classic Fundraising website or by texting PGA. AC to 71777. That's Character Counts brought to you by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Coming up next, we go around the league and the latest on some quarterback situations around the NFL and hash marks. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. They literally have two twos. Drew Locke was the two behind Teddy Bridgewater. And the guy you're playing the first week, they traded him and a bunch of other things to get that guy. The other guy who he's battling for the position with was the guy that actually backed up the guy that you played the first week. So essentially, you really have two twos. I mean, Jay-Z wrote a song about this on Reasonable Doubt that was called 22 twos. They could have fit this quarterback situation into it. And when you look at a team that's already struggling on the back end defensively, they're not strong on the offensive line. And now trying to figure out who is going to be their starting quarterback when they actually do have a solid set of skilled players. Right. That's an issue. Ryan Clark from uh, ESPN talking about the Seattle Seahawks quarterback situation, which he's right. They've got two twos right now. They don't have a one, so it doesn't matter who their starter is. We kind of touched on this yesterday because Pete Carroll also said, hey, I don't have a plan just yet. We're going to take as much time as we need to determine who the starting quarterback is, and if need be, we'll play both of them. It sounds like an absolute quarterback circus in Seattle right now. But the, does it doesn't matter. No, it, it doesn't matter. And I and I think it's it's just such a weird look because you know Pete Carroll is is such a such an accomplished coach on the collegiate and the NFL level. For him to have to act like he's got choices that he's got options. It, it's it's painful. I I think they are. I think they're tanking without saying they're tanking. Is what I think. I because any smart football coach would know there's not enough. You couldn't add Geno Smith to Drew Locke and have enough quarterback <laughs> to win games in the NFL. If you took the best of both of them, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so to me, to think that that one or the and that's why his reaction was so. Pete, you think you could play both at, at some time? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> Have you ever done it before? No, never done that in my life. <laughs> oh, okay. Glad <laughs> things are going well for you, Pete. There's a reason why he hasn't done that before because it probably doesn't work. Yeah. So I I think this is going to be this is going to be interesting because Seattle fan. And you and I have poked fun at Seattle fan once or twice. <laughs> Not me. No, no. It's, and again, it's because, you know, the 12s, the 12s have been around for, for decades. 12 years. Oh, well, yeah, 12 years. That's right. Uh, because now they've had, they've had a run here with a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson and a program that has been just consistently a playoff caliber team. Mm-hmm. And they've made a couple, they had a couple of shots at a ring. They got one of them. They probably should have had more like the 85 bears the legion of doom has this this shadow over them that man we we did not max out what we had we should have more jewelry than we do now comes now comes what's going to be a, a, a double digit loss season in seattle and i'm real curious to see how seattle fan <laughs> very curious what happens to the 12s at that point in time are they going to be are they going to be taking over westgate again when they roll into Arizona, two and nine. <laughs> 
I didn't even think of that. Only if they want to see the rodeo. <laughs> no, again, it just it, it, and I, I I'm not really really poking fun. I happen to love Seattle as a city, but it, to me, it, it's it, they haven't been through one of these seasons in a long, long time, and and you can't convince me they didn't start to take Russell Wilson for granted. It's okay. They've all got Mariners fever. Yeah, they might be going back to the playoffs this year. The Mariners have a pitcher, by the way. Did you see this? Who last night (laughs) threw twenty four straight strikes to start the game? That's amazing. It is amazing, and they still lost. (laughs) (laughs) So people are trying to connect the dots now because there's there's uncertainty, and San Francisco's leading to this. A couple of days ago, Kyle Shanahan was asked, "Hey, is there a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo could still be your backup quarterback?" Possible. I'll play that again. I, mean, I think any scenario is possible. Would you cut Jimmy G on the final cut? I don't day? know what I'll do that day. Probably decide when it comes. Apparently, yesterday there was a, a shift in the thinking that now San Francisco is getting closer to cutting Jimmy Garoppolo. So, could he actually, as a free agent, you know, free to go anywhere? Uh, to a team with a quarterback need, could he end up in Seattle? Adam Schefter says no. I don't think they're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo right now as a viable option. They're certainly not going to trade for him, and I don't know that they would go ahead and consider him even if the 49ers were to release Garoppolo, which is no guarantee. I think the Seattle Seahawks are waiting for one of these guys to win the job. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they're waiting for that. Here's, uh, you know, we've had, well, uh, we've had Stacy Joe Rost on from our sister station in Seattle, mm-hmm. seven, uh, uh, Seattle Sports 710. Uh, here's her thoughts on Drew Locke. More people than you think are really excited about dr- what Drew Locke can be. I don't know why. I don't know if they never watched Denver Broncos games. <laughs> <laughs> That's know. me. I'm Stacy. I'm in that club. <laughs> right? I don't know why. I don't know what they. They were missing. Maybe it was a cable issue, but like Drew Locke <laughs> does not make anyone in camp very excited. He has not shown at any point that he is exceptionally better than Geno Smith. If anything, Drew Locke makes one or two throws, especially these little sidearm throws he makes where you think, wow, I can see why the Broncos took a shot on this guy. I can see why people loved him so much in college. And then he does the same thing, but the pass goes to not someone on his team. And you think, oh, I get it. Like, I totally get now why he was benched, because he makes just as many weird decisions as he does cool throws once in a while. And trying to make the best of a bad situation. And that goes back to your point. Mm-hmm. Seattle is not saying that they're not interested in winning football games from the quarterback position this year. Because if they were, they would have interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's not a world beater by any stretch, but he's competent. He wins games. He gives you a, gives you a chance to win games. If they wanted to be relevant, they would go down that road. Uh, or they would have gone after Mitchell Trubisky or Baker Mayfield. Or somebody or other, other than guys. Geno Smith and Drew Locke, who mm-hmm. they got in the trade uh, for, for Russell Wilson. Yeah. And, they also, and, I don't get why Why didn't they trade Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? Like, why give DK Metcalf a big new deal? Like, to have such talent at these skill positions and such lack of talent everywhere else... It's a weird way to tank. Well, yes, and it's also uh, a pretty risky proposition, too. You give your star-wide receiver that contract, and you can't get the ball to said star-wide receiver. Bick mentioned it yesterday. DK Metcalf doesn't shut up when he's not getting the ball. Oh, he's yeah. very demonstrative yeah. about wanting to be the guy. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a hothead, and so there's there's going to be that. There's going to be friction. It's 
the whole thing is just weird. I mean, there are there are people who think that the era of the defensive-minded head coach in the NFL is kind of coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, that the game is becoming so offensive-minded on so many levels that 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 you really need to kind of load up on that. I don't know what I think about that, but I do think it's it, it's a weird time to be doing this when you're talking about a head coach who's 70 years old. But you know what, Pete Carroll's he's in great shape. Yeah, you see him sprinting in practice a couple weeks ago. That like went viral. With his dad shoes on, with his dad shoes on, <laughs> and and so so maybe they're just looking at this like, okay, you know what? The smart thing for us to do instead of getting into this quarterback carousel of these guys that are just they're all the same. That that just let's bottom out, let's put our chips into next year's draft, let's get the guy we want, and let's develop them. Yeah, let's let's learn from all the good of Russell Wilson and the bad, and let's let's create our next quarterback monster, if yeah. you will. Congrats to Michael Fabian from Phoenix. He was our first winner for the brand new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 92-93 team. We still have more jerseys to give away. Just text the word jersey to 620-620 for your chance to win. That's jersey to 620-620. Can't get them anywhere else. Is that right? I don't think they have them in stock yet. Yeah. So how do we have them? Because we're the we're the home of Arizona sports in the valley. You sound very convincing with that, Jared. Wow, I like his voice shaking. Yeah, because um, uh, well, I didn't know there was going to be a follow up question uh, coming up next. If you were worried about the Cardinals' cornerback situation before yesterday, some of Cliff Kingsbury's cryptic comments might have you more worried. We'll get into those next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.